0: objects of his eternal love. His love has been set upon them from eternity. They don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. He knows who they are. And notice he makes us fit for his service. Because he says these words, I'll make you to become fishers of men. It's God who makes us fit for his service, beloved. It's God who does this. The believer in Christ is made fit for heaven in Christ. It is Christ who instructs us and guides us as we grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of him. We become what? More and more dependent upon him, don't we? Are you more dependent upon God now than you've ever been before? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. As each day passes, we are more and more dependent upon Him. Does, has not your trust in Him grown as you've walked with Him? You trust Him more now than you did when the Lord first saved you. You rest in Him more now than when the Lord first saved you. Oh, yes. We don't lean on our own understanding anymore. We don't lean on our strength. But when we do, when we lean on our own understanding and when we rest in our own strength, we find ourselves in a world of trouble. Don't we? As believers. And we know this. We know this from from the trials that we've went through. Christ is our true rest. And we look to him and him alone. Let's look at verses 21 to 28 in this this chapter here. And we see that Jesus and his disciples go into a synagogue in Capernaum. They went into Capernaum and straight away on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, and when the unclean spirit had torn him, and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, and so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout the region, round about Galilee. Take note of verse 21. The scriptures declare that they went to Capernaum. And again, this was all by God's sovereign will and purpose. There was one in the synagogue in Capernaum that day. Who had an appointment? Who had a divine appointment with the Holy One of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? And there was a bunch of folks there too that were divinely appointed to see what would occur. A divine meeting had been purposed and planned by God the Father. And we see here that this appointment is between this man with an unclean spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, And they went into Paca- Capernaum, and straight away on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority, not and not as the scribe. The Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples went into the synagogue and Christ taught them. He taught them the truth. He taught them the word. He taught them from the scriptures that he was the blessed redeemer. And that he was about his father's business. Note in verse 37 and 39 of this chapter it says, and when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next town, so that I may preach there also. From therefore came I forth. For therefore came I forth. The reason he came is to be about his father's business. To preach the gospel. To redeem his people from their sins. And it says in verse 39, He preached in the synagogues through all Galilee and cast out devils. Well, he preached the gospel of God's sovereign grace in him, in Christ. He proclaimed the things concerning himself. He's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who was sent to die in the place of his people. Now, the Greek word for astonished there in, in verse 22 It means to be struck with astonishment, admiration, to be amazed. They were amazed, beloved. It's translated ten times in the scripture as astonished and three times as amazed, the same Greek word. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 13. All but one time is in reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. All but one time is in reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. And that one time is when Paul and Silas are preaching on Cyprus and Elimaeus, the sorcerer, is seeking to turn the deputy that Paul was speaking to about Christ away from the faith. Acts 13, verses 4 to 12. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost, God's preachers are sent forth by the Holy Spirit of God, departed into Sicilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle and the Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was our Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Same Greek word there. Astonished at what had happened. So the Jews in the synagogue at Capernaum are astonished at the Lord's doctrine. They're amazed at the Lord's doctrine. Because he taught them as one that had authority. He didn't teach them as the scribes taught. taught. He taught them as is one who who had authority now little did they know that the one who the very one who authored the holy scriptures was there speaking to them right there the very one who is worshiped by abraham isaac moses and all the saints in the old testament is right there before them speaking to them. They didn't know that. The one who appeared before Joshua and proclaimed that he was the captain of the Lord's host is right there before them. The one whom David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is right there before them. The one who Isaiah saw high and lifted up on the throne is right there before them. The Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh. The one who delivered Israel with a mighty hand out of Egypt is speaking to them. The one who parted the Red Sea is speaking to them. And they're astonished at his doctrine. They're astonished that he taught with authority. Well, he taught with authority because he has all authority, beloved. He has all authority. The one who's speaking to them has all power and all authority in heaven and in earth. And the one who's speaking to them is our Savior. If you're a believer, that's our Savior speaking to them. And they were amazed at his preaching. John Gill brings forth, they were amazed at the manner of his preaching, which was with so much gracefulness, gravity, and majesty, and it was attended with so much evidence and power. They'd not heard this kind of preaching before. And note in verse 22, He didn't didn't teach as the scribes. It says, and they were astonished at his doctrines for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. The scribes would go about and establish the authority of the rabbis. Several commentators said they would constantly be speaking about other rabbis. They got their authority from the rabbis. (laughs) But Christ spoke with authority to them. He didn't quote any man on earth. He taught them from the scriptures. And we know who the author of the scriptures is. God the Holy Spirit. And his hearers had never observed this in any teacher and they were they were filled with wonder and amazement and look at verse 23 we see that there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and there was a in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out he cried out over in the parallel passage in In Luke chapter 4, verse 33, we see that this man had a spirit of an unclean devil. Scripture declares, and In the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. Gil brings forth that this is the same spirit in religious people who gather amongst the people of God. And, And Gil says they have no good design. They seek to either disturb the preacher... Or divert the hearer that the word may be unfruitful and unprofitable. Now we know that the scribes and Pharisees did not know Christ. We know that. They did not acknowledge him. They did not acknowledge the truthfulness of his doctrine. They hated him without a cause. They hated him without a cause. They denounced our Savior as a false prophet. But we see in the next verses that the demons knew who he was. The demons know who he is. They know the truthfulness of all he teaches. And we see before us in these next texts that they bowed before him. This unclean spirit bowed before him in fear. Look at verses 23 and 24. There was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. And we know this is the unclean spirit crying out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Notice there's nothing to, nothing left to question who our Lord is. There's nothing left to question with who our Lord is. Even the demons know who he is and they tremble before him. And let us consider this amazing title of the Lord Jesus Christ here before us. He's called the holy one of God. The holy one of God. And we see that this man with an unclean spirit cried out. We know that cry came from the evil spirit which had control of him and Mark Mark that well thousands who saw Jesus daily going about the streets of Jerusalem later in his ministry, did not know who he was. And yet the devils were compelled to give their unwilling testimony to who he was. And the public acknowledged that he is the Holy One of God. Oh, how blinded by sin we are in our natural state. By reason of sin in our natural state, we know not God and we do not seek God. We're just like the disciples where they're going about our daily business when the Lord calls us in by his grace. Not seeking the Lord, having no understanding of who he is, but oh, when he calls us, oh, what a gracious and merciful call it is. And oh, how effectual it is. And we leave everything and follow the Lord, don't we? Oh, my. Man in his natural state does not seek after God. We have no care for God and no knowledge of God, but he seeks out his sheep. And in the time of love, he reveals himself to them. And every child of God rejoices over this. We rejoice that the Lord opened our eyes, don't we? Because we were blind. We rejoice that he's opened our ears to heaven, to hear his voice through the scripture. And we rejoice. We rejoice that he's given us an interest in him. Where we had no interest before. And it's all by the work of our sovereign God, according to his eternal plan and purpose. So give God the glory and give him praise if you have an interest in Christ. If you have a saving interest in him, give him all the glory and give him all the honor and praise. So we see the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our Redeemer is called the Holy One. Only He could be called this. He's the Holy One of God. He's he's the Holy One both in His divine nature as the Son of God. He's the Holy One of Israel. And He's he's the Holy One as the Son of Man. Both as natures. He's born of the virgin, without sin, perfect, spotless, sinless. The Holy One of God. And think of this. The Holy One of God came to this world to die for his people we who are the unholy ones in our natural state. And he did this because he loves us. And he's loved us with an everlasting love. The Holy One of God, the perfect, sinless, spotless mediator, Whom the Father sent. He sent to the Father into this world. God incarnated in the flesh, the one true Messiah, who's come to save his people from their sins. And this unclean spirit knew who he was. He knew who he was. And take note in our in our text that the evil spirit acknowledges also Christ's power. He not only acknowledges who he is, the Holy One of God, but beloved, he acknowledges his power. So many in this world don't acknowledge who Christ is and don't acknowledge his power when every day it's manifested around them. But look at this demon. He acknowledges both who he is and he acknowledges power. Look, he says, "Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thee. I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God." So marvel at the at the power, marvel at the who Christ is, and marvel at how even the demons tremble. James writes this. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now they don't believe in a saving way like we do. But they know who he is. They have more sense than natural man. But they don't believe in a saving way but we believe in the saving way. We have a saving interest in Christ because we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God because he's done a mighty work in us. So we see here the deity of Christ declared before us in this text. Very clearly. We know that by the miracles which Christ wrought that his deity was manifested we see this in portions of scripture that he has all authority over man, over demons, over all things visible and invisible. And we know that man and women by their natural state, by the fall, our fallen Adam, that sin has dominion over us. And we're under a taskmaster and that's Satan. He's a taskmaster over us in our natural state. And the children of God, as well as the whole race of, of men, are all born into this world, dead in trespasses and sins. Slaves to our sins, under bondage to our sins. That's what the scripture declares. Turn, if you would, to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And let's look at what Paul writes about our natural state. And then, and then he, he writes about after we're born again and It's wonderful. This little portion here is wonderful. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. We see our natural state in verse 3, and then then we see the miracle wrought by God in verses 4 to 6. And then we see our state before God declared in verse 7. It's wonderful in this little wee portion right here. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's our natural state. Right? Never forget the but God, say. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's a verse that says but God. (laughs) And look what it says here. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He did it all. By the washing of the regeneration born again by the Holy Spirit and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And then look at our state. Look at our state now. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Packed into these little verses is our natural state. Salvation by grace alone and then the state of the believer. It's wonderful. Dead in trespasses is in verse 3. But after the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. That says you cannot save yourself. Salvation, this verse brings forth so much that salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, we're born again. We're granted faith and repentance to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the renewing of the Holy Ghost, it's all the work of God, which was shed on us abundantly, overflowingly. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Right? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then here's our state now. That being justified by his grace, we're justified before God by the grace of God in Christ. Clothed in his perfect, spotless righteousness, beloved. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And who's our hope in? Christ in him alone. Christ in him alone. Now ponder this, you who are born again. You are washed clean in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were once in this state, spoken of by, by Paul in verse 3. That was our state. That was our state. But the scripture is being fulfilled, which turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 49. The scripture is being fulfilled that was declared in Isaiah 49, 24 and 26, about the prey being taken away from the Mighty One by the Mighty One of Jacob, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God. And Remember, we were, cap- we were captive to sin. We were in bondage to sin. We were slaves to our sin and to Satan. We were slaves. In bondage. But, beloved, we've been set free in Christ. And look what these verses say. This is a wonderful portion here, too. It ties right in with Titus there. Look at Isaiah 49, verses 24 to 25. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty? Only by God's power. Only by God's power. Or the lawful captive delivered? We were held captive by our sins. The law had a claim on us, didn't it? Rightly, had a claim upon us. But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, set free, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children, and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. Don't, don't, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. All right? They shall be drunken with their own blood, with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer. Look at this. The Mighty One of Jacob. These verses speak of the Holy One of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were, we were held captive by our sins. And we've been delivered, beloved. We've been set free. Let's go back to our text in Mark chapter 1. The mighty one of Jacob proclaimed there in Isaiah 49, 26 is the very one whom the unclean spirit is addressing. The mighty one, the one who said, I'm going to deliver the people. I'm going to set them free. The one who said, I'm the Savior and Redeemer, we saw that in Isaiah forty nine twenty six. The one who said, I'm the mighty one of Jacob, is the very one who these demon, this demon is addressing. Mark 1, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. So what confidence can the believer glean from these verses? Knowing that no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. No temptation can take us. But under it the Lord will make a way for us to escape. We know that. That's what the scripture says. Because he who ever watches over us, he who keeps us, he who watches over every single one of his sheep, through all the trials and troubles that we go through, is the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. Let's read verses 25 and 26 now. And note the power of our Master's words. We see that, that He has all power. As He commands the unclean spirit to hold its peace and come out of the man. It says here, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Now hold thy peace there literally means in the Greek to be muzzled. To be muzzled or gagged. It means to stop the mouth, to make speechless, to reduce to silence. That's what it means in the Greek. You look at the power manifested by our Lord and Savior with, with a word, because that, that hold thy peace is one word in the Greek. With a word, the Spirit's reduced to silence. With one word from our, from our mighty Redeemer. And our Lord doesn't want acknowledgments from such lips as they who, who are the vessels, because the, the vessels of the Lord must be clean. And we're washed in the precious blood of Christ, aren't we? And note, note in verse twenty-two. After this had happened, the people there are amazed. Look at verse twenty-two, and and they were astonished at his doctrine, for for he taught them as one that had had authority, and not as what as the scribes. But then look at verses. Look at verse 27, and they were all amazed and so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this for with authority? Commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. So he taught with authority, and now in like manner he commands with authority. And, and we see what he commands comes to pass, doesn't it? It comes to pass. Who's in charge? Well, the Holy One of God. He's in full control of this situation. Just like He's in full control of every situation in our lives. Oh God, give us grace to rest in that. Give us grace to rest in that. But He commands, and it comes to pass. This miracle is done by the power of God. This is none other than God incarnate in the flesh. And he's manifesting his authority and power on full display right here. And Jesus rebuked him saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. One commentator said the unclean spirit came out of him against his own will, as a loud cry shows, but he's powerless at the command of the Holy One. The the unclean spirit is absolutely powerless at the command of the Holy One of God. If you ever hear someone say, God's done everything he can do and now the rest is up to you, that's a powerless God. We see here in the scriptures plainly declared and plainly shown to us that our God is in full control. And the, the, the unclean spirit cannot resist his command. He's God. That's my Savior. Is he yours? Oh, what peace we can glean from this portion of Scripture. And if He isn't your Savior, I pray that He'd make it so. I pray He'd reveal Himself to you. Because this is the God of the Bible. This is the God of the Bible. He has all power. This is who we come here each Sunday to to worship and to hear proclaimed. God who has all power and all authority. And it's on full display here. And look at verses 27 and 28. And they were amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits. And they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region, round about Galilee. Notice the words, they were amazed. They were, they were amazed there means in the Greek, to be astonished, amazed, to be terrified, and to be frightened. Their amazement was mixed with, with fright and terror. <laughs> oh, when God reveals to us who he is, we are struck with fright and terror, aren't we? In our natural state. But praise God, he applies the balm of Gilead and the Holy Spirit reveals to his people who he is. And then we stand in awe and wonder. So their astonishment was they were, Their amazement was linked with fright and terror. They were in awe of his power over the unclean spirit. Weiss, the Greek scholar, brings forth that. The words amazed in verses 27 and verse 22 are graphic in their description of the reaction of the synagogue crowd to to the impact of Jesus and the teaching and the miracle which he he performed. It's, It's very graphic in the astonishment that they had for what he had done. And we see in verse 27 that that they were all amazed in so much that they, they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? They questioned among themselves. Mark is here describing that they had an animated, prolonged discussion amongst themselves. They'd never heard anyone speak like this. They'd never heard anyone speak with such authority in teaching the scriptures. And they never saw anyone exercise such power over unclean spirit. Let's read the rest of verse 27, which brings forth that, that Jesus not only taught them with authority, but commanded even the unclean spirits, and, and they, they had to obey him. Look at verse twenty-seven. Then they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, "What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him." Now the, the words for authority there, or the uh, yeah the words with for authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. The word for command there, is a pitasso, a pitasso. It's a military term. The noun formed used in the military sense of an orderly array. So he commanded the, he, he commands it. Everybody steps into place. An orderly array. In the single verb, for that, for that, it's called tasso. It's used in classical Greek and it means to draw up in order of battle or array or marshal the troops. So what's being brought forth here in our text is that our Lord and Savior has all the host of Satan and Satan himself under his absolute power. And we know this to be true because... Because it's written that he, he has power over all things visible and invisible. But we see it right here. It's on display for us here. He commands at will. And the spirits must obey him. Satan operates on a limited tether. He can only do what the Lord allows, beloved. As one grace preacher said, he's on a leash. Now, we're no match for him. Not one of us is any match for him at all. At all. He knows knows what makes us tick, and he knows how to make us fall. But he can only do what our Lord commands and what our Lord allows. Because this verse here talks about about the Lord having all authority and. and for with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits. They snap right in order. We have some men here who were in the military. When your commander said, in the formation, what happened? You were in formation, right? Right away. Right away. The Holy One of God has all authority and all power, beloved. All authority. This is our Savior. Marvel that this is the one who redeemed us with his own precious blood. What what peace that can bring us. That he who keeps us is the very one who commanded this unclean spirit to hold your peace. And that, boom, he couldn't say nothing. And he cast that demon out. And he had to come out. That's the one who saved us, beloved. That's the one who called us by his grace and his mercy. No one can resist his call. Thy people shall be made willing in the day of his power. And we were made willing, praise be to God, weren't we? We who believe. And our prayer is that the Lord make his lost sheep willing, O oh Lord. And we rejoice when we hear that he has. We rejoice. Good news from a far country isn't it? The gospel's good news from a far country, beloved. Turn if you would to Job chapter 1. We see here in this portion here that Satan can only do what God allows. He can only do He can only do what God allows. Job chapter 1. And I'll read our little portion here again. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. He muzzled them, gagged them, and said, come out of him. And he had to come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Look at this in Job chapter 1. Look at verses 6 to 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, I'm going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant, Job? That there is none like him in all in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now how is a man who's a sinner perfect and upright before God? Only in Christ. only in Christ, only clothed in his righteousness. Look at that. eh? Oh, my. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou, or hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Now here's the limitation. Here's the one who has all power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. He can only do what the Lord allows. The Lord said you can take a substance away, but don't lay a hand on them. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now to the people in the synagogue, they were astonished at the Lord's teaching. They were astonished and amazed at the fact that the demons obeyed him. What can we glean from this text as believers? Well, again, let us remind ourselves that when things come up in our lives, whether they be expected or unexpected, because... Both situations occur, don't they? Right. Let us remember that the Holy One of God is our Savior. The very One who's proclaimed in this text. It's He who's redeemed us. It's He who's purchased us with His precious blood. It's He who saved us. It's He who keeps us. Beloved, we are weak. And we learn our weakness in trials and tribulations, don't we? We learn our weakness in trials and tribulations. But what else do we learn through those trials and tribulations? We learn that he is strong. And we learn that we can do nothing without him. That's what we learn. And we are constantly learning this, aren't we? Our weakness is constantly being manifested and his strength is constantly being manifested. (laughs) And remember you who are the born again blood washed saint of God that he who is your God, he who is your Savior is the Holy One of God. The very one who right here commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man in whom the unclean spirit even identified that he is the Holy One of God. That's our Savior. And we saw, his, we saw his deity on display. We saw the authority that he has on display. We saw the power that he has on display in this text today. So let us remember as we come to the table. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. And what are we to do when we partake in the Lord's Supper? We're to remember what our Lord's done for us, right? That's what we're to do. Let us remember that the very one who redeemed us, the very one who came to save us from our sins is the very one we've looked at today, the Holy One of God, who has all power and all authority. Lord, give us us grace to rest in you. Give us grace to rest in you more and more. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your mercy and goodness and grace given to we who are your people. And Lord, we marvel as we look at the text today and we just see your your deity on display. Your power, Lord, your majesty. That with one command, one word, you've muzzled the unclean spirit. Let us marvel that you have all power over all things visible and invisible, and let us leave here thinking and being in awe that you saved us. I know we often cry to you, Lord, and say, Me, me, but we know from the scriptures it's all by your your will and purpose. Praise your name, Lord, for saving your people. May ye be glorified. And may you use the messages that are proclaimed for your glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.